Hey, what's happening, everybody? This is Armand Lee, and thank you so much for listening to this week's episode of the Quarterly Report. We got another fun four quarters ahead, including Jay Z and I's. They will always be linked together until the end of time. But with Jay's latest album being considered a classic, we compare it to Nas's most recent solo effort, which was also a very mature and vulnerable album. We'll see how the two CDs stand head to head. Plus, the weather outside is burning, right? It's summer, it's sweaty, it's hot, it's humid if you're living in the mid-Atlantic. But don't worry, because winter is almost here. And y'all know exactly what I'm talking about. But let's get it going with our first topic this week. First quarter. This is what many people like to call the slow days or the dog days of the sports calendar. You know, not too much is going on right now. And people will come up to me or they'll they'll text me and like, hey, man, how are you going to do the show with no NBA and there's no really big fights? How do you plan on doing the show? That doesn't worry me. This actually excites me because this kind of feeds my creativity. I can try new different topics and talk about some things that necessarily don't always fit under the sports umbrella. And I'm really excited. Are you serious? Why are you interrupting me again? Long time no see, Armand. Remember me? I've been reading and hearing stories about you since I was a kid. Hard to forget something like you, Satan. Also, I've seen how you've been running my Knicks lately. So... <laughs> you like Ron Baker for $9 million, don't you? <laughs> yeah, f*** you, devil. Anyway, I suppose you want to play devil's advocate. So, who is it this week? This week. I want you to play devil's advocate for upset NFL players who are mad over NBA contracts. <laughs> Slim, the least you can do is listen to the actual podcast. You know what I'm saying? I literally ripped NFL players last week about complaining about NBA. You know what? Just forget it. Whatever. Let's play. All right. <sighs> Look, man. NFL players, I get it. We all get it. The NFL prints money. It's by far the most popular sport in this country. In fact, besides money itself and maybe alcohol, football is as American as anything. It actually owns a day of the week. People would rather watch their favorite team than play with their children on Sunday. Think about how crazy that is. So if you're a football player, and it's clearly, not only is it clearly the most popular sport, it's clearly the most dangerous sport. We don't know how dangerous the sport of football is. And the data that we do have makes it, they compare it to getting in car crashes. You know what I mean? Just over and over again. That's how violent the game of football is. So when you couple how popular it is with how dangerous it is, oh, and by the way, it produces generates the most income there was a report that said each of the 32 nfl teams last season all all of them earned 250 million dollars and that's if you believe the owner so it's probably way more that's a conservative uh estimate football prints money in this country so the idea and you hear it oh well you know there's 53 men contract they're 53 men so you have to pay no you don't let the free market dictate who gets what you know understand what i'm saying like 
I feel for the NFL players. I really do. Because it's damned if you do, damned if you don't, right? They've gone status quo for this long. And it's clear, if, if football players really wanted to change things and get guaranteed contracts, I believe they could do it, but they would have to sacrifice their earning potential. Look, the owners of the NFL, they have developed and nurtured and created this impenetrable web of protection, right? Football makes so much money that if the NFLPA actually wanted to strike or if they were to hold out for any significant amount of time, football owners, they would feel the burn. TV execs would feel the burn. Imagine football or imagine a November, an October, a December without football Sunday. People would lose their minds and owners would feel the burn in their pockets. But here's the here's the, the sad thing, but the beautiful thing from an owner's perspective. The average NFL career is only three years. So you are asking these guys, and the vast majority of them aren't Aaron Rodgers, aren't Tom Brady, aren't Des Bryant, Odell Beckham. They're guys that you don't know. Guys who their entire lives have been focused on making a 53-man roster, right? And then once they get it, they're fighting, scratching, clawing, doing, taking God knows what, shooting themselves up with who knows how many different drugs just so they can play and beat themselves up on a Sunday, knowing that their quality of life is diminishing after every snap because they just want to hold on as much as they possibly can. The average NFL career is three years. So you're then asking these guys to sacrifice, what, a year for benefits that they won't see, for benefits that someone who probably isn't even in college will see. So that's how it's almost ingenious from an owner's perspective. They know they can't risk actual work stoppages. Anytime there's a quote unquote work stoppage, it never interferes with the actual games. It's preseason, it's the off season training camp, all that other stuff, but games are not missed because the owners know, but the players, they can't hold out, but for so much long. And you're then asking these guys who have a three year span. Again, we're not talking about the JJ Watts, you know, we're not talking about the Richard Shermans, you know, the Russell Wilsons. We're talking about the guys that you don't know, the names that you, the, na the, the faceless names, the numbers that you don't have a jersey for, the guys that you don't cheer on. These guys aren't going to sacrifice a third of their earning potential for some guys who aren't even in the league. And the owners know that. So NFL players, you can look at them as victims in so much because they make so much money hands over fist they they generate more money than than all these other sports probably combined and they can't number one they make this money number two they're putting their bodies literally in harm's way for our entertainment and then number three they're surveying the field they're looking at their contemporaries whether it's the nba players whether it's the baseball players and they're like hold on Every other week, we're talking about how baseball needs to do this to, to find their the, the young fan and how basketball may be in danger of losing fans because it's so, you know, predictable. Everybody loves football. We can all agree on that. But these guys are the ones who can't get money. Oh, my God. How could you feel anything but empathy for these men? You understand? And then the CTE. 
This whole stuff is a brand new frontier. These guys are literally losing their minds by playing football and they can't get any money, any real percentage of the pie. Don't don't talk to me about roster size because when you are generating $12 billion, there's a way. And again, we're talking about market, letting the market dictate, right? Just because there are guaranteed contracts doesn't mean that everyone will get them. There are NBA players who don't have fully guaranteed contracts, you know? Some of these contracts are partially guaranteed. And then some of these contracts, even if it is guaranteed, it's only for a million, maybe half a million. You know, let the marketplace dictate. But here's the thing, even in defending football players, let's keep it real though. They gotta look at themselves in the mirror because Aaron Rodgers, you know, Terrence Knighton made a, made a point that there's no reason why James Harden should earn more money than Aaron Rodgers. Well, think about it like this, Aaron Rodgers never hit free agency that's his fault you can't get mad like jj watt he signed his contract extension before testing free agency and i understand that there's you know the franchise tag but look at kirk cousins and this is why i'm not even a washington fan but i hope kirk cousins doesn't sign a long-term extension i hope he gets every single penny no hometown discount anything right make these guys pay you your fair market value you can't get mad at NBA players when y'all are signing extensions before you can even test free agency. And that's another thing that the owners have done. Like when I'm saying test free agency, that sounds all fine and good, but we can't forget the dangers of playing football. I mean, it's just a masterful job, a masterful foundation that the NFL owners have laid out. You know, these guys could theoretically test free agency, but at the, as soon as they come close to it, the teams will throw them a chunk of money. It's not a fully guaranteed, but you know, a lot of money up front and players sign it. Not because they're foolish, they'd be foolish not to because football is so dangerous. You are one play away from having your career ended, if not significantly altered. So you gotta cash in as soon as you can. And all this stuff plays into these football players not getting nearly as much money as they deserve because you can't argue they don't deserve it. Again, they dominate a day of the week. So you know what, last week, yeah, I was killing NFL players because they shouldn't talk about the next person's money, but you gotta feel for them because they're damned if they do, damned if they don't. So when the next time you hear a football player ripping James Harden, ripping Drew Holiday, Tim Hardaway Jr., don't, don't snap at them. Realize that they are just upset because they literally have no other emotion. They have nothing else to do. Because if they if they do want to make a change, they're sacrificing their own earning potential for a guy that they've never met. And how many of you out there would actually do that? Not just say it, but do it. And do it when you're actual, when you're playing with your body, when you're playing with your health, when you're playing with your future. All right, devil, I'm done. I think I did a pretty good job there. I still think football players need to shut up because they make their own decisions, right? If they don't want to play football, don't play football. You know, I feel for them to an extent. But like I said, if y'all really want to, if y'all really want to do it, y'all have the ability to do it. And it may not affect your pocketbook, but it'll affect the guys coming after you. So, you know, yeah, it's a tough situation for football players, but you want sympathy from me. 
Like my man Major Payne said, look in the dictionary between and syphilis. Hmm. Once again, good points, Armand. NFL players have to be careful with those contracts. Speaking of contracts, sign right here, and I'll guarantee you that this podcast becomes one of the best and most popular, giving you riches beyond your wildest desires. Oh, Slim, you must think I'm stupid. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. In all seriousness, you know, I feel for NFL players. You know, I really do. I think you have to. Again, they're in a position where their entire lives they're playing to get into a sport that is so violent, that is so dangerous, that we, as an informative society, don't even know the tip of the iceberg. We don't even understand the ramifications of playing this game and they generate so much money by putting their bodies on the line. Their average career is only three years yet. They get paid like of the, I mean, definitely they get paid less than basketball and baseball players. Despite the fact that their sport is so much more popular. I get it. I really understand their frustration, but they got to look instead of being frustrated at other players, other athletes, be frustrated with yourselves. Like, life is full of choices. And many of the times, those choices aren't easy. So it's easy for me to sit here who's not making half a million dollars or a million dollars or however much money your average NFL player is saying. Like, look, man, you can stop or you can hold out. Y'all could do a work stoppage and make sure y'all get this done. And I understand it's going to cut into, you know, your career earnings. But if it means that much to you, what are you willing to sacrifice? It's that simple. Because you look lame as hell if you're not willing to sacrifice a dime, yet you always commenting on the sidelines on the next person's money. Like, shut up, bro. We don't need to hear that. So if you're not ready to fight for it, don't get mad at other at NBA players because they were willing to fight for it. The NBA has had two work stoppages. And each time, look at what's happened. They, they, the contracts go up. So football players, if y'all not ready, if y'all not about it, if y'all not trying to do it, all right, sit down and enjoy free agency like everybody else is. All right, man, that's quarter number one. You know, I I, I kind of used the same topic for two weeks in a row, but hey, the devil made me do it. This is the Quarterly Report. I am your host, Armand Lee. Thanks for riding with me. Again, we're going to step out of the sporting arena for one second and into music with topic number two. The talk of the town over the last two weeks has been the brand new album from Jay-Z, 444. And, you know, I'm usually skeptical of, you know, reviewing or giving my thoughts on any type of new piece of art. Uh, If you listen to the show a few months back, I told you a lot of times there's like this rush to anoint something great or legendary or classic. And, you know, that kind of turns me off. I, I like to take my time. I like to work at my own pace and, you know, 444 definitely came with its lion's share of hype. I I remember my man, shout out to my guy Brooks, uh, on his thread with uh, four other guys. And the night 444 dropped, I'm talking about it had to be midnight. My man Brooks, and if you know Brooks, you know he's one of the sweetest people in the world. Nice dude, good guy. But he he loves himself some Jay-Z. And he, he sent this text. Uh, a dissertation is what we call it. 
and he's talking about the album and how it's legendary and it's classic home and all this and that and the third. Mind you, every time Jay-Z or Kanye, either one of those guys, has an album, whether it's good or not, he, at that moment, the very moment, he will declare it being a, a classic album, a great album. Now, I'm not trying to, you know, throw shade on my guy, but a lot of people are like that, right? So when 444 came out, I'm talking about, and y'all probably remember, you get all these think pieces and, you know, talking about maturity and Jay-Z and Beyonce and how Jay-Z is kind of preaching and how men need to follow his suit and how this is like the lemonade for men and Jay-Z's back and all these other things. And from my perspective, I'm not saying it wasn't true. I was just not in a hurry to listen to it. You know what I mean? Like, I like to take my time and like the whole kind of quick, first reaction, you know, first sensation, first feeling, just go with it type of world we're living in, that type of, that all that stuff turns me off. So I was like, you know what? I've heard all this and I'm going to take my time and listen to 444 and ingest it the way I want to on my, on my speed. Needless to say, I listened to it and that joint is, that joint is like that. Like it's everything. I'm not going to say everything, but it's, it's great. I enjoy it. There's a lot there, so I don't know how people can look. Maybe maybe I'm just slow, but knowing Jay and his history and how he likes to layer his lyrics and how all these different things are running at the same time, I don't know if everyone's decoded every single thing that Jay's trying to say in 444 because I know I haven't, but if you have in like one or two listens, hey, salute you. God bless you. But an interesting thing happened while I was listening to 444. After the second time I listened to it, I was like, man, this, this is really good. This is a Jay-Z that I, I, I'm not used to. I don't think any of us are used to. You know what I mean? Uh, but after I gave it a second go-around, I immediately went to Life is Good, Nas's album that came out, I want to say 2012. And I started playing that. And I hadn't played it in years. And I love that album as well. And it was funny. I talked to my guy, Mark, and I'm like, yo, you know, it's weird. After listening to 444, I just immediately went to Life is Good. And he was like, yo, I did the same thing. And it got me thinking. And look, we all know the backstory. We don't really have to spend too much time in it. Jay-Z and Nas will forever be linked. Um, they're two of the greatest. So they'll be linked in that way. They're contemporaries. They came out around the same time. Um, their first albums are, I don't even think, considered. They're all, they are great. I mean, when you think of rap albums and just, you know, albums of a, of a, of a generation, you know, Illmatic and Reasonable Doubt are put up there as exhibits of just how great this art is. You know what I mean? So that, and then obviously, of course, the whole takeover ether battle that they had, legendary battle. Jay-Z and Nas will always be kind of linked, like Larry Bird and, Magic Johnson, you know what I mean? They they'll they'll go hand in hand forever. Career paths completely different. They're two totally different artists, despite the fact that they rap under the hip hop umbrella. They've gone completely different paths to get. And I'm not going to talk about who is the greatest. You know, I leave that for y'all and your barbershops and your cookouts to to debate, right? But it got me thinking. I'm like, yo, both these joints are really good, and they're both like adult contemporary hip-hop. You know what I'm saying? And, like, that's one of the things about hip-hop I love. This It's a buffet. 
Like everybody wants to act like every rap song is shoot them up, shoot them up, or you know, let me knock down this youngin, boom, 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 or whatever, whatever. And it's a wide variety. Hip hop is like every other genre of music. You, there's so much out there, and the fact that these two albums from these two artists specifically could come out and sound so different, and you you, you have the 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 catalog to see the the maturity or growth or however you want the evolution of both these men, and like they're talking about marriage and children and investing. Jay Z's talking about going to therapy. You know what I mean? Like things that a twenty year old listener of music i wouldn't i wouldn't ever be checking for somebody talking about you know investing in property and you know leaving your children with pain you know what i'm saying like there are different things that as a 20 year old or 18 year old i wouldn't be checking for but now that i'm 34 years old yeah i want to know about or things about leaving things to my child that's that's of great importance to me more so than what car you drive you know what i mean so these artists are changing as a generation of hip-hop fans are growing and that's dope you know what i mean but I talked to my partners. And I was like, yo, again, thinking about, yo, life is good was just a reactionary. It was like a reflex. I listened to it after like a few listen, listenings of 444. So I'm talking to my partners. I text them. I'm like, yo, which one do y'all think is better? And again, it's unfair. They'll always be linked. It's, it's just kind of the, the, the culture that we live in. Like put them up, you know, LeBron, Kobe. You understand what I'm saying? Michael Jackson, Prince. It's like that for everything. Like, Everybody's got something like that, right? So I'm like, yo, which one is better? And overwhelmingly, I even put it up on Twitter. Want to make sure uh, to see it and all the other things regarding the show. Make sure you follow the show on Twitter at Quarterly Show. Um, but I put it out there overwhelmingly my, from my homeboys and from those of you who voted. It was 444. Now, full disclosure, full disclosure, I'm a Nas guy. Like, you know. I don't think I'm a stand, but hey, whatever. I'm I'm a huge Nas fan. You understand? And there's a few musicians who who hit a certain level with me that I'm gonna ride with them regardless. You know, Nas is up there, Outcast definitely, uh, Kid Cudi. I'm I'm a Cudi guy, and Rafael Sadiq. Like those four acts, like they got me forever. You understand? So, not to say that. I'm always going to ride with Nas no matter what, but I think it's fair if I'm going to have this discussion about these two albums, you know, that I put all my chips on the table beforehand. Now, Nas is one of my guys because, and this is the beauty of, of music, of art, right? There are certain artists who can make an, a song or uh, a work of uh, an art or an album or whatever that will touch you differently than will touch me. And I, Nas, for, for whatever reason, seems to have the ability to write a song that connects with me um, because of whatever life situation that I may be going through. Case in point, uh, Godson is one of my favorite albums, and Nas on that, on that album has a song, you know, One More Dance, Dance With You Mama, whatever, right? That song is really touching. He lost his mother. That album comes out a few months after I lost my mom. You know what I mean? So, that whole album and that song in particular touches me that, you know, it may not, it may not relate or connect with anybody else on that same level. Not to say that you have to lose your mom to appreciate that song, but because I was kind of going through what he was relaying in his music, that's a song that 
still to this day, it really hits me. You know what I mean? I mean, I remember when the when the when the God stuff first came out, I couldn't even listen to the, all that song because you know the emotions that it would kind of bring out. So like now removed, like I love that song. Similarly, uh, Life is Good has daughters, and <laughs> that's still to this day one of my favorite songs because that song happened like. That album comes out. My daughter's not even two. You know, I'm a she's my only child. So like the kind of he has that ability to kind of like write a song. And obviously it's not directed towards you, but it feels like it. Right. Because you're going through those those same emotions and you're thinking about those same things. Um, <laughs> not specifically when it comes to daughters, but just how, you know, as a father, you want to make sure you avoid certain traps and, you know, you got to clean some things up. So I say all that to be like Nas connects with me on a level that a lot of other artists don't. And Life is Good has a song that connected with me like almost more so than anything else. So I felt like not to taint the jury. I wanted to put all that stuff out there. Now, to Jay-Z 444, I think we all would agree that's a, and my guy Mark said this as well in our text back and forth. It's a more cohesive album. It feels it has a, a a strain of of you know similarity throughout the album. You know what I'm saying? Like each track is different. It's not like the same song over and over and over again, but it has a consistent feel. Um, and that's important. You know what I mean? And 444 is much better at that than Life Is Good. You know, Accident Murderers and you know Summer on Smash. Those are great songs. I like those songs. Don't get me wrong. But when you listen to Life is Good, they kind of come out of, out of nowhere. You're like, okay, that, that didn't really fit, but whatever. You know, I, I'll dance to something on Smash. You know, you got a party, whatever, play it. But it just doesn't fit, whereas 444, all the songs seemingly fit. It's one of the reasons why Blueprint is such a great album, right? None of the songs on Blueprint sound the same, but they together. It's like a jigsaw puzzle. When you put them together, it just, everything fits. And that's why I think that's Jay-Z's best record, because it's just... it. It just all is like a perfect mixture of all these different things, but it has a, a, a consistent feeling. And 444 does that as well. Like you listen to it and you're just like, yo, like it just it's like almost like you're just sitting in your your grandfather's favorite, you know, love seat. And you just sink into it and you're just relaxed because it just has this feeling of warmth. And he's telling you all these different things, this story. And another thing about 444 that's super dope is that, you know, Jay isn't the most vulnerable rapper historically. You know what I mean? Not even rapper, just artist. There's a lot of uh, machismo. There's a lot of, you know, bravado and, you know, kind of, you know, this wall or whatever. And I get it. You know, I get that completely. Believe me. But when you listen to 444, you're like, yo, all right. He's like opening up. He's 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 pulling the curtain back a little bit. And this is something that you don't ever see with Jay. And you you see it all the time with Nas. And that's not a knock on Nas, but it's almost like, yo, when you when you get something from someone consistently and then the person who never does that does it this one time. It seems more monumental from the person who's only given it to you once because you you feel like, yo, this has to be harder from you. And, you know. Putting yourself out there in any capacity is difficult. 
Hell, telling you guys a lot about myself isn't the easiest thing. You know what I'm saying? Even though that you all are like people that I don't even know. Um, so anytime you open yourself up, it's going to be difficult. But the fact that Jay has never done it and is doing it so is so transparent on this album. It's like, yo, this this is it feels monumental. It feels like a significant occurrence. You know what I mean? Whereas Nas has opened himself out on practically every album. So it doesn't feel as significant as it does with Jay. And another reason I got to put like, you know, uh, a not so on the 444 side is, you know, we're in this kind of binge, you know, watching an episodic generation. You know what I mean? Like we watch all these television shows consistently on Hulu or Netflix and we're in the Marvel universe where every movie is playing uh, a significant part in telling a larger story and all these other things you know what i mean and prequels like we live in an episodic kind of everything is playing it has a chapter and 444 is like the next chapter of the lemonade saga you know what i mean and like i'm not going to say 444 is as culturally impactful and significant as lemonade was like lemonade was uh that joint was an event you know what I'm saying? And, you know, there are a lot of people who Lemonade spoke to. You know what I mean? A lot of people who aren't necessarily uh, have a voice on a large level. Like Beyonce, she did that joint. You know what I'm saying? And, you know, I think with Lemonade, that speaks to a whole group of people who oftentimes aren't um, given the opportunity to speak. You know what I mean? So, whereas Jay, he's, he's this is like the sequel. You know what I mean? Or or prequel, however you want to break it down. But it's the next step in this, this saga between two of, like, this generation's greatest, you know, entertainers. You know what I mean? Like, you can make the case that we're there, Beyonce and Jay, respectively, are the best, definitely, of this generation. But you can make the argument ever of what they do, of their craft, and the fact that their, their issues or whatever it is is being played out on this large scale and that both of them were able to provide great music and oftentimes in therapy to a lot of people, because again, I may not be going through what Jay-Z is going through, but somebody is somebody has gone through what Beyonce went through. You know what I mean? So that can be therapeutic. So I think that also enhances how dope 444 is all those together. The music is great what Jay-Z is spinning and how vulnerable he is. And the fact that he is, you know, he had the line. I don't want to quote it verbatim because I don't remember it, but he's like, you know, common sense. I want to rhyme like common sense, but it wouldn't make sense. You know what I mean? Like he's now at a position where financially he's set. And now he could talk about investing and leaving things to your children and all these different things that, you know, as a child, you're not listening to. However, from the life is good perspective, you know, like I said, it's not as cohesive as 444, but like let's let's be honest, like Jay is spitting, don't get me wrong. But Nas's flow is still A1. When you listen to Life is Good and you listen to how Nas is rhyming, that's still greater than what Jay is rhyming. Now, Jay's flow, you can make the case Jay's flow historically is better than Nas, and I'm not going to go down that path because that's an argument that will last forever. But I think if you listen to 444 and you listen to Life is Good, Nas's flow is better than Jay's. You know what I'm saying? Also, 
like I said, Jay, Jay is vulnerable, but Jay is still Jay in his vulnerability. You know what I mean? Like, so Jay is talking about, man, I bought all these V12s. I should have bought, you know, an island or I should have bought some property in this, this part of town that has now, you know, worth God knows how much money. And he's saying that after he's already kind of talking about, you know, how he feels about selling dope and how he was able to start getting accumulating his money. You know how, how the foundation of his money was dope. And I'm not judging anybody. But, you know, it's one thing to say, hey, don't spend money on cars, invest. Well, I don't know about you. I don't have the bread to be spending money on V12s. You know what I'm saying? So, Jay, even in his vulnerable state, is hard to relate to. You know what I mean? Because Jay's just so much successful. He's just so successful. And even though he's not bragging, going out of his way to brag, Jay-Z's success and his wealth has always played a part, a significant part in his music, even when he's not even trying to, to flex on it. So, like, when he's talking about investing, like, that's dope. But Slim, how are we going to get to the point to invest? So when Jay is dropping gems, it's like he's dropping gems for the one percenters. One percenters. Whereas Nas is like, Slim, money when he's dropping knowledge, it's never, it never, it's never about money. You know what I'm saying? It's about kind of like feel and growth internally. Now Jay is also talking about growth, but again, when you know. It's funny, like there was a time where Nas was trying to do the whole bling and check my money out and, you know, Big Willie, whatever, whatever. And he could never do it as well as Jay. Now it seems like Jay's, and it's not, I don't think it's done, I think it's a natural kind of evolution. But like he's doing the whole self-growth and, you know, I've made mistakes and these are my errors. Make sure you don't follow me in this kind of introspection. And he's doing it well and doing it much better than he's ever done it. But it's not on Nas's, you know, level. And that's the funny thing about both of them. And, you know, I don't want to give the diplomatic response or the political correct answer. But it's hard to pick which one is better because they're both so great. But just like their individual careers, they're so different. And they they take such a a different path to kind of get there. That it's fun. It's a fun debate. It's a fun discussion to have. And, you know, if you want to hit me up on Twitter, let me know what your thoughts are on uh, both of those albums and how they compare to each other. But oftentimes we kind of we do a disservice when we kind of put one versus another because they're both amazing and they both hit you on different perspectives. You may not be a father, so daughters may not hit you the way it hit me. And I may not have. X amount of thousands of dollars to invest, but you may, you may be married and you may have really almost lost your wife. And that may hit you differently than it hits me. And that's the beauty of music. And that's, that's one of the reasons why I think no matter what, no matter which one you think is great, no matter which one of these artists is your favorite, no matter if you thought takeover was better than ether or vice versa, you know, a lot of times we we struggle on like give, giving people in their time before they pass away the necessary praise. And when it comes to Jay-Z and I as, as a hip hop fan, as a as a as a man that grew up on hip hop, I'm like, yo, let's make sure that we we let these guys know how important they are because they've provided literally the soundtrack to many of our lives. And 
More times than not, they haven't disappointed. All right, it went a little bit long there. That wasn't a sports topic, but yo, this is what the quarterly report is about. You know what I mean? It's not just going to be hoops. It's, it's going to be a lot of different things. And that brings us to this week's halftime. A brand new show, a brand new segment we're going to debut called Rapper, Athlete, or Politician. Check it out. Welcome to Rapper, Athlete, or Politician, the game in which we read a quote and then ask you who said it, a rapper, an athlete, or a politician. Here's our quote for the week. You're swearing on the air, Mike. You're a bum. Oh, man, I, I like to look at your object every day, buddy. So, can you guess who said that? A rapper, an athlete, or a politician? Yes, politician, you'd be correct. That obviously was New Jersey Governor Chris Christie. And while we're betting he won't be in office very much longer, he seems to be a natural in sports talk radio. That's been Rapper, Athlete, or Politician. See you next time. <sighs> Again, I'm not going to editorialize. You guys can choose to vote for Whoever you want, lean in either direction of the political aisle. However, it's getting ugly for us. When our elected officials are going on sports talk radio stations and saying stuff like that, no wonder The Rock is considering running for president in three years. We're all going to hell. But hopefully you're enjoying a little piece of heaven listening to the quarterly report. I'm your host, Armand Lee. Again, make sure you follow me on Twitter. I'm at Armon, A-R-M-O-N underscore Lee, L-E-E. Also, follow the show at Quarterly, Q-U-A-R-T-E-R-L-E-E show. All right, so adjustments have been made. We tweaked the game plan. We set some new schemes. We're going to finish up the strong with our last two quarters, starting with my man, Wilson Tarpe Jr. He is the owner and founder of my mind on sports.com. Make sure you check him out on DC TV Fridays at 10 p.m. for the focus. This is my guy, William Tarpe. Will, what's going on? Now, you don't know this, so I'm going to share it to you in front of the world. Like I said, you own your own company, My Mind on Sports. You are one of the inspirations for me to, you know, jump off and branch out on my own and try to start my own thing. So, first off, thank you for that, and thank you for joining me on the Quarterly Report. What's going on? I definitely didn't know that. <laughs> hey, man, it's real. I'm honored to be here. Nah, man, I appreciate you coming on. So, you know, this is what they like to call the dog days of summer in terms of sports, but... For me, it's exciting because, you know, it allows the space to kind of talk about all these other different topics. And earlier, you know, I, I broke down, you know, my thoughts on 444 and then, you know, the natural comparison to life is good. So a few weeks ago, obviously, the album dropped. Social media, everybody around, you know, went crazy. Uh, so there's been some weeks now for you to digest the, the project. So I'm curious, what are your thoughts on Jay-Z's 444 album? Um, I think it's interesting watching how everybody's everybody's reacting to it in terms of like the different age groups. Right. Because there's a bunch of stuff on there that I know younger people can't relate to, and I'm not talking about like the credit stuff, but like <laughs> <laughs> because I know that was like a focal point in social media, but you know it's a little deeper than that. Some things like certain relationships and like marriages and things like that. Right. You know, it was a lot of 
There was a lot of stuff on there. There was a lot of stuff where just being a black man, things that people, you know, I don't want to say burdens we feel, but certain things that we feel that sometimes other people, even black women might not realize, um, and then also other men of different different races may not fully, it may not hit them the same. Right. Um, so, I mean, I, it was all-encompassing to me. I enjoyed every every track. I'm probably like, and I'm going to be judged for this, but I'm, I'm definitely 30-plus listens in, and I'm probably not going to stop. So that's where I'm at with it right now. Slim, I'm with you. Uh, I've talked about this in the past. You know, uh, I'm almost programmed now to anytime there's a new release and everyone starts, you know, heaping high praise onto it, I'm like programmed to just kind of ignore it and almost even get turned off by it because we're so quick to kind of rush to call something a classic or a memorable. Um, so, you know, when I heard it the first time, I was like, man, this is a lot. And, you know, that's why I appreciate you saying you listened to it 30 times because, you know, Jay-Z is really, really intricate. And you could tell he he cares about his craft and his, his rhymes aren't cookie cutter. It takes a lot to kind of unpack and to really understand what he's trying to say and the messages that he's encrypting in his words. Man, like, so I feel you. Dude's known as, like, the king of the double entendres. Like, I feel like he took it a step up. Like, this triple entendres here, because right. certain parts of songs are dumb enough for the mumble rap crowd to understand. Right. And still not get in the same <laughs> You know what I'm saying? Like, they only get the part that's meant for them. Right, exactly. You know, it, it, it's crazy. Because, like you said, you got to unpack it. It's, just, it's, it's, it's a beautiful piece of work, man. Yeah, man, absolutely agree with you on there. Once again, I'm joined by my guy, Ill Will, Wilson Tarpe, the founder and owner of My Mind on Sports. Make sure you check out his website, mymindonsports.com. It's a super dope, really in-depth, thorough website, especially if you're a fan of any team in the Mid-Atlantic. It really goes deeper than most of the other bigger websites that you may be accustomed to. So check it out, mymindonsports.com. All right, Will, so, you know, we touched on music. We're going to jump back into the sports arena for a second. Um, the NBA free agency period has pretty much died down. All the big-time free agents have signed or chosen a team. Uh, to play for next year. So with the dust settled, I'm curious, who do you feel were the biggest winners of this free agency period? I got two answers that you're not even going to be, you're not even going to expect. All right. That's what I like. Let's go. I guarantee you, you're not going to see either one of these coming. But for those of you listening, I'm a, I'm an out of box type person. So it is not going to be the first crazy thing you hear today. Um, <laughs> <laughs> let me get that disclaimer out of the way. San Antonio and Golden State. Woo. Okay. All right. So, all right. I I feel you on Golden State. You know what I'm saying? They they re-signed the the finals MVP, and then they re-signed Steph Curry to the largest contract of all time. So, yeah, if you break it down like that, bet. Golden State. But look, for Golden State, that's not even why. Okay. That's not even why. So, we're going to say, yeah, I know the big thing is Kev, and we know Kev was coming back. We knew Steph would get paid. There's no shot, nothing, nothing crazy there. What they did with their bench, their bench is literally at a place where Sean Livingston and Andre Iguodala don't have to play the regular season. Right. Like, this is this is how scary a place we're getting. And I know a lot that the casual NBA fan has no idea what worth Omri Caspi has, but the right. last place on earth the league needed him to go was Golden State. Yeah, you're right on that one. The rich got richer with that 
uh, with that signing. And honestly, that and flew no right one, under it, the radar. It, 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 it bugged me out because I'm sitting, I'm sitting here going crazy when I saw it, right? I'm like, nobody cares? They just got a <laughs> six foot nine. I can do whatever, right? Right. And he, and he, and he comes home to this place where now nah, ain't no positions, man. Just, just who? And that's all I'm saying. So you get Cassidy. And, and, and dare I say I like the Nick Young move better than Cassidy? Of oh. Right. And I know a lot of people don't care. You know, people look at Nick Young Swaggy P thing, and you know they just laugh at for that. But right. this is one of the, this is one of the more talented hoopers in the league. As far as getting a bucket, right? He's up there, okay? Like he can do that in his sleep. Like let right. that think it. He's been able to get a bucket and make a bag his entire life while not always giving his all in all facets of the game. And right. go to state, you know you're going to get the best out of him. Secondly, right. did you know he was like? Second in the league in spot ups last year. Like from a spacing standpoint, what do you do? Right. And then just for just in case, like in case the shot clock runs down, it's Nick Young. Yeah. You're it's right. Nick Young. All right. So I get your Golden State point, but San Antonio, you're gonna have to convince me on this one because this off season, I was looking at the Spurs, thinking that okay, you know, y'all had y'all run with Golden State. Kawhi got hurt. We don't really know. Uh, we don't really have a, a real outcome of what could happen. But I was surprised that San Antonio kind of just stood pat. I was like, "Hey, this is this is the time for y'all to go ahead and go get it." Look, and this is this is again, and I'm gonna be the weird person on this. I love what they did because they didn't go chasing something that didn't fit them, right? Right. So I love Chris Paul and I respect the heck out of Chris Paul. At this point in time, Chris Paul does not make does not help San Antonio get by Golden State. Because mm. Chris Paul can't guard Steph. Right. That's not going to help, right? What I do like is you pretty much told DeJounte Murray, DeJounte Murray, you're gonna, we're going to attach you to Kawhi this whole summer. Yeah, you're up. We, we need you to accelerate. Secondly, yeah. like, like, like Patrick McCall, this young buck got minutes in the playoffs last year. Those are valuable yeah. minutes. And, and he wasn't scared of the moment. This, right. is, this is the top flight recruit. Um, and again, he's six foot five. He got that length. Length is the type of things that bother Golden State. I yeah. like him as the one. I don't. I don't know if he's going to start because you know you still got CP or whatever. And I also like the development thing. Like by them not rushing. Look at what Brent Forbes is doing. I know it's just summer league, but he's obviously gotten better. Right. He's obviously some more game. He's obviously gotten better. And I and I don't think people. And I'm so happy for Rudy Gay. He finally yeah. gets to go somewhere where. Someone can use him for all the wonderful things he can do on the basketball court. Once again, I'm joined by my guy, Wilson Tarpe. He's the founder and owner of My Mind on Sports. Also on Fridays at 10 p.m. on DCTV. Make sure you check out him on his show, The Focus. It's a really dope, really fun show with a lot of smart sports discussion. We don't really get that in this area very much. So check out The Focus. That's Fridays on 10, Fridays at 10, excuse me, on DCTV. So we spent some time talking about the Western Conference, but let's shift our focus to the Eastern Conference. Um, I've been super critical of Danny Ainge over the years, and maybe that's just my orange and blue Nick fan, you know, hate coming out. I don't know. But I got to tip my cap to him. I got to give him credit. Uh, I think he did a really good job this offseason. Uh, balancing winning now. People forget the Celtics won, what, 53 games this year were the number one seed in the East, and they went to the conference championship. So they're clearly 
balancing the win now approach while also keeping an eye to their future, remaining flexible and developing their young, their young talent um, and their draft picks. It's just summer league, but Jason Tatum looks like the real deal. So I'm curious one, uh, how would you grade Danny Ainge in this off season? And two, knowing, you know, how toxic the atmosphere seems to be in Cleveland with the ownership no general manager, LeBron entering his last year, possibly. Uh, how close do you think the gap is between Boston and Cleveland? It, and I'm glad you brought up. I'm, I'm kind of at the same place with uh, Danny Ainge because I was making fun of him for, like, the last couple weeks. <laughs> genius stuff, and I was like, I refuse. And it wasn't that I don't think he's good at what he does. It's that I'm not a big fan of giving somebody credit before I feel they deserve it. Right. And we couldn't possibly know this, like, these things were going to happen until they happened. Exactly. So, you know, a whole bunch of people are like, oh, my God, Danny, Danny Ainge is the greatest. And it's like, all right, hold on, we got to wait. So we get to the Gordon Hayward thing, and right now, like, I'll probably give him a B for this offseason. I know that's probably a really rough grade to some people because I'm sure that's like five pluses and a grade <laughs> low that some other people are giving him. Right. And the reason being, because we're talking about uh, in relation to Cleveland, you lost one of your most important assets in terms of beating Cleveland. Avery Bradley was the one guy in the Eastern Conference that could put Kyrie in a box and Strap. doesn't need anybody else. Right. You know what I'm saying? He can literally be like, hey, Avery, sick him. Now we just got to worry about LeBron and him. Right. Nobody else in the East had the ability to do that. Obviously, you know, Golden State did, but Clay's Clay and, you know, Avery's smaller than Clay, which makes right. Avery that much more special. So with them having to lose Avery Bradley, because I knew they were going to have to lose some things, I didn't like that they lost Avery Bradley. And I know a lot of people are like, well, you know, you got Jalen and, and Jay Crowder and all that. I don't care. That yeah. type of an on-ball defender, especially when you have to get through a team with Kyrie and Bond. Yeah. I, like me personally, I'd be Marcus Smart, expendable. Um, Jalen yeah. Brown could stay. Jay Crowder, bye-bye. But I'm not losing. You know what I'm saying? Like, I'm not losing Henry Bradley, considering I just took Tatum and I got Jalen Brown. Right. I, I, me personally, I would have found a way to keep Avery Bradley. I don't care what it costs because that's huge. And right. I, I know these these other pieces. I love what Tatum's gonna bring that flexibility at times, being able to play the four. He's a walking bucket. But defensively, when Avery Bradley sets the tone, you're gonna lose that. And and now the onus, literally, you're looking squarely at Jalen Brown and Marcus Smart. Like y'all gotta do Avery Bradley like things right now. Yeah, that's tricky because, A, not only are you right, Bradley is, uh, is an amazing uh, perimeter defender, but what people forget is that he can shoot. He's a very good scorer. He provides spacing, especially when you have an attacker like, you know, Isaiah Thomas uh, driving all the time. Um, so, you know, Marcus Smart is a really good defender. Jalen Brown, he's young. He's only entering his second year, so we really don't know. He's got all the potential in the world. But, uh I was surprised that Avery Bradley was the piece that they decided to move on out of the Bradley smart Crowder trio. Um, because, you know, here we are, we're talking about how Boston matches up with Cleveland, but there's a team in DC with two really good guards who are probably, you know, breathing a sigh of relief that they don't have to match up with Avery Bradley anymore. And, and that's my biggest thing is you are now vulnerable. Like it's like a golden era point guard. You are you open yourself to being stupid vulnerable. So now you got to look at Charlotte becomes more annoying when you play them now. Right. 
Because before you'd be like, hey, Avery, go tire Kim out. Go give right. him hell, you know? Now Kim is looking like it's a snack. I see right. I see in front. No, oh, yeah, Marcus, yeah. Oh, give, give me those. Mm. Right. Can I have seconds or thirds? Go back to the, uh, you know, I'm sure Wizards fans would have loved Avery Bradley not to be on that team. John Wood went nuts. And that series changes even watch, even with Washington having no bench. It drastically changes the series. So it's in relation to Cleveland, which was your question, um, I still think they're one big piece away because I don't like their bigs. Yeah. You don't like their bigs. Once again, I've been joined by my guy, Wilson Tarpe. He's the owner and founder of My Mind on Sports. Make sure you check out the website. Really good, really thorough, in-depth stuff that you won't get anywhere else. MyMindOnSports.com. And check them out Fridays at 10 on DCTV on The Focus. Again, Will, thank you so much for coming on the quarterly report. We're going to make sure to have you on again sometime soon, bro. Hey, man, thank you so much. I'm honored to be here. I can't wait to come back. And, um, <laughs> man, keep this up. I look hey, forward man. to it every week. I appreciate need it. I appreciate More people it, that know what they're talking about. <laughs> That's my guy, man. Wilson Tarpe. No lie, he's about to do some really, really big things. So make sure you check him out, my mind on sports. All right, y'all. That's the third quarter. We got one quarter left. Let's get it going. Fourth quarter. Yo. What's up? Game of Thrones, though, dog. Yo. You all caught up? Bro, I totally been watched that whole thing last night, dog. Yo, it's called Blooded Up in Westeros, dog. Yo, but you know who my favorite character is, dog? Who's that, dog? Khaleesi's. Khaleesi. You know I be liking some Khaleesi's, dog. But what about Khaleesi's? Straight up with them dragons. Slim. Winter is here, bitch. Dog, hey, let me tell you something. A few weeks back, I don't know if you guys remember, I asked you guys, right? The NBA season was over, so I was like, yo, I need something to watch. I gave you guys some choices. You know, it was Power, House of Cards, Game of Thrones, or other. Shout out to the people who voted. The majority of you all actually voted for House of Cards. So to you, to all of you all who voted for anything other than Game of Thrones, I want to fight y'all, Joe, because y'all were trying to keep me away from being great. Y'all are trying to keep me back from thriving. Luckily, I've, you know, I appreciate you guys voting and doing the little things, you know, that I ask. That's dope. But I had to go with my intuition. Something told me, nah, bro, you ain't going to really like House of Cards like that. So I went on and doubled back with Game of Thrones. I gave Game of Thrones like a seventh try. No lie. And this time, the seventh time was the charm because, bro, I'm hooked. Slim. This Sunday, HBO, baby, season seven, Game of Thrones, and I'm all in. Hear me when I tell you, Joe, I watched all six seasons, <laughs> all 60 episodes, like 10 episodes a season in like two weeks. <laughs> no lie, I ran through all of it, and I'm hooked. I'm addicted. I love that show so much, man. Look, I'm a curmudgeon. You know, I'm setting my ways to a point. So I will never say a show is greater than The Wire. But for number two, that number two spot, I'm talking all time, baby. Game of Thrones is right up there. They tripping up at Westeros. So, you know, as you can tell, I'm super geeked. I'm super excited for this Sunday. And, you know, I want to I want to kind of break down my excitement level. You know, the characters that I really, really enjoy. And first, 
I'm gonna shout out some people because I would not have ever gotten to this point. I would not have ever enjoyed this show if it weren't for a few people. Because look, a lot of y'all, I, I've talked to you guys, a lot of you, who are like, man, I ain't trying to watch a show with dragons and you know Harry Potter, Lord of the Rings, all this other weird stuff, Dungeons and Dragons. Ain't nobody got time for that. I'm with you. I'm with you. I did not want to watch this show. I tried to watch this show off the strength of some people that I'm really, really cool with. And I appreciate, you know, their words mean a lot, you know? So I tried to watch it. Like I told you guys a few weeks, I tried over and over again. And it was just so weird. I was like, man, I can't watch this. They got ice zombies and dragons and mint and dwarfs. Um, you know what I'm saying? And it was just a lot. And this is all like in the first episode or something, you know? But I'm glad I stuck through it. And I stuck through it thanks to my guy Lynch. My man, Keith, my guy, you know, Mark, and my partner, my homie, Asha, all four of them, this is years apart now. Like, none of them, like, only a few of them know each other or talk to each other regularly. And, you know, all four of them are like, yo, you got to watch this show. Armand, you got to stay with it. Armand, you got to you gotta power through. Once you get it, you got it. And, dog, I got it now. So, once it is here, baby, the Night King and his army, they, they, they coming up on the wall, baby. So to get amped, to get you guys excited, hopefully you watch this show. If you don't, you're going to – look, if you don't watch Game of Thrones, check the joint out, Joe. Give me three episodes. That's all I need. Just give me three and you hooked. I promise you I'll never lead you astray. But Sundays, the seventh season, we coming up where they say they like 13 more episodes for the show. So this is kind of – what I'm hoping happens as we wind down, you know, this to this, uh, the finale of this great show. Number one, the number one thing I want to see more than anything, I want Arya to go full, you know, just full monster with it. I want her to start wrecking shop. She, she started, she started slicing Bama's up. You know how she got Walter Frey. Oh, spoiler alert. You know, I'm sorry, but look, I just now got to this joint. So if y'all haven't caught, if I've, I've surpassed you, bro, you don't, you know, there ain't really no spoiler alerts for this anymore. So Arya just now starting to get a G. I need her to take it up to an uppercase G. You know what I'm saying? Like she need to start giving everybody hell. That's my girl. So that's the number one thing I want to see, you know, this season. I want Arya to kill everybody, <laughs> everybody. I'm talking about if she kills Sansa, I'm down with that. You understand? But that's the number one thing. Number two, I got to see the Hound in the Mountain go ahead square up. I don't know if it's going to happen. Thought they got the Mountain like he's Super Shredder now. You know what I'm saying? Like he got the ooze. This dude is like unstoppable. And the Hound kind of died already, but he somehow managed to live. He got his face burnt off. You understand? But now he got this this. He willing like the, an axe? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I just want to see it. There's no way the mountain wouldn't win because the mountain had the the mountain had the greatest kill of this entire show. If you've seen it, you know I'm talking about my man from Narcos. He caught the L of all L's, but it was the dopest thing ever. You understand? It was like my favorite scene of Game of Thrones. Like, like y'all, I could keep on doing this. And the people who have watched the show, y'all know, y'all feel me. If you haven't, slim. You, 
I'm going to ask you to do me a salad, but in reality, you're doing yourself the salad. It's weird. I've heard I've heard people, like I got family members, I got friends of mine who are like, man, Slim, I can't, I can't get into that. And I'm with you because my imagination sucks. <laughs> it is awful. But this show is so dope, I promise you. Slim, you got to check it out. So anyway, they got all types of crazy killings. The best killing happened from this guy named The Mountain. He's the brother of this dude, the Hound. They don't get along, but they never really ever been toe-to-toe throughout the entire show. You kind of hear it. They was like in the first season, they were around each other a little bit. You could tell they didn't like each other. They got a backstory. I'm not going to spend any time on it. This season, I got to see the Hound in the mountain. Go ahead with the fair. It's not even a fair one. They just go ahead and scrap it out. You know what I'm saying? Let me figure out which one last man stands, you know? So that's number two. Number three. Number three is tough, you know, because there's a lot of things. I'm not going to – I could give you ten, ten things I want to see this season, but I'm going to wrap it up at three. Third thing I want to see is going to be multi-layered. I need to see the Night King break down the wall because they got – I got to see these – like the Jon Snow, you know, he cool. He jogging on my nerves. I don't really ride with Jon Snow like a lot of people do. But, you know, he, he peeped the wall. He understands that they coming. But, you know, everybody in King's Landing and everybody outside of, you know, Winterfell in the north, they tripping. They think it's like a little scary story. So I need the Night King to mob, Slim. And I just mob against, like, the wildlings and Jon Snow and the, the men at the wall and all this other stuff. Nah, Slim. I want the Dothraki to see the damn Night Walkers and be like, yo. <laughs> I, want, I want Cersei to see the Night Walkers. You feel me? The White Walkers, excuse me. I want Jamie to see the Night King in his one hand and be like, oh, shit. that's what I want to see. Because these Bamas are coming. They taking a long ass time. But hey, baby, the winner is here. And finally, kind of like a an add on to this, I want Bram, because this dude, he's weird. He need he, I need him to start doing some some real stuff like he chilling in the trees and you know talking to wolves and all this other stuff that's cool for a bit but now bro like let's let's get at it they got you like you neo you know what i'm saying you i need you to tell john that you are like the nephew to denarius i would it'd be dope if john got on the dragon you feel me all this stuff it's too much to put into just three topics then this is what i'm trying to tell you dog y'all can hear my excitement slim I'm so ready for this. So ready for Sunday. Y'all don't even know. And if you do know, I know y'all as ready as I am, Joe. Game of Thrones, baby. If you haven't seen it, get on. Get on it, bro. This this may be like a reoccurring theme, depending on how geeked up I am for what happens on Sunday. And if the last month was any indicator, oh, slim. Game of Thrones, man. Shout out to the people who voted for that. Cause everybody else, man, y'all, y'all try to keep y'all try to hold me back, baby. I'll never try to hold you guys back. That's why I give you the quarterly report each and every Thursday. And to stay up to date, make sure you follow me on Twitter. I'm at Armon A-R-M-O-N underscore Lee L-E-E. Also, follow the show at Quarterly, Q-U-A-R-T-E-R-L-E-E Show. All right, y'all. 
Winter is here, baby. I'm going to holler at y'all next Thursday, next week. See what else we have in store on the quarterly report. I'll talk to you then.